hopping between two seasons, right, Eric? Last week, um, just hard to imagine how warm it was around here. We were breaking records on Delmarva. Um, Salisbury, we uh, got well into the 70s. All locations really got well into the 70s, with the exception of maybe Dover, those points in Kent County and really in the northern part of the peninsula, still in the 60s, which is really, really warm for this time of the year. But, man, we had that going in Friday. The weekend was the cool down, which was substantial, but we were still above average with temperatures Saturday and Sunday with highs in the 50s. It wasn't until we got to this week where we're back to reality and back to the chilly air. It was pretty ridiculous, Rich. Just um, That's a good word how, for it. I like that because <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was. Just, just how much of a tale of two seasons last week was. The weekend, a full-on winter scene, uh, ice, snow-covered roads, temperatures in the 20s. I mean, it was just full-blown winter. It didn't, doesn't get as much of winter-like in Delmarva as it was not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Full-on winter feel. And then we go to temperatures in the 70s. Temperatures akin to, to late summer and early fall after leaving what was a very winter-like uh, weekend. Uh, Washington, D.C. getting to 80 degrees and that on was Friday. That was um, expected, you know, at the beginning of the week, we knew we were going to get the warm-up, and not just for us, but you're talking about also the D.C., Baltimore areas, too. A lot of the Mid-Atlantic. We made records here as well. We, we did 75 break. in Salisbury. That was being the old record of 73. Yep, yep. Um, and if we didn't break any records in some of the other places, we ended up not. We were close, like Georgetown was two degrees from a record. Wallops, which doesn't have as much data, right? Um, they easily blew out their record from 2017 of 64. Like, their yeah, high was... Yeah. Uh, I think 76, right? What's up? 76, I think, was their high. Well, oh, yeah, I think yes. so, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, oh, way above. <laughs> way above. It, you know, Again, counting. though, they haven't been keeping uh, records for nearly as long. That's right. But I, I would imagine, um, and looking at the records, by the way, of that particular day, it was 1950 when the Salisbury record yep. dropped, the Georgetown one that was close, some of the, the max minimums, which we ended up not breaking. Uh, we did start the morning's well into the 60s, which would have broke the maximum, minimum Low. lows. The, the, and even the low, well above the average Well above high. that. The, the thing is, though, because we go from midnight to midnight, yeah. by the end of that day on Friday when, after the record highs, and the cool air started to roll back in, our temperatures dropped below what they were in the morning yeah. by, like, 10, 11 o'clock at night. So that's what's kept us from breaking those records. But yeah. it was certainly... You know, something to be uh, seen there across a lot of the area. And, you know, we talk about Friday, but forgetting not to forget that Thursday and Wednesday <laughs> leading into that were substantially mild days, too. So it was a stretch of really warm weather. We were just really focused on Friday with that record-breaking type feel. And, you know, what came with the warm weather, though, wasn't your typical really nice, sunny, 70-degree, comfortable days. There was a ton of humidity for this time of the year. Unprecedented. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dew um, points by the bay. Um, Easton, I think, or Cambridge, one of those two. Might have been Cambridge. Got to 70-degree dew point. And that, that's a dew point where you don't say, oh, that's muggy relative to this time of year. Even during the summertime, a 70-degree dew point is muggy. That was very interesting to see. It, it and was it, a little uncomfortable yeah, outside. I, I took a walk outside, and I was breaking a sweat. I was freaking sweat. Yeah, it was even in Salisbury. Dew points were in the 60s, and we were in the 70s. The thing is, is that there's actually a good amount of sunshine 
kind of all dependent on where a warm front set up because the warm front, if you saw Dover, Dover was a lot cooler actually, um, still well, for this time of year, but I think Dover's high was in the upper 50s to around 60 and there's a few more clouds. You go to New Jersey, that day it was pretty much overcast and temperatures in the 40s. And if you were So too, a really, really tight temperature gradient setup. If you were uh, too close to the boundary, you yeah. were locked in the clouds, locked in that marine yeah. layer. Yep. Um, and speaking of which, that night when the cool air started to retreat back south, yeah. the boundary essentially, it was kind of neat to see the fog that started to form immediately, especially right. with some of the, uh, uh, the cold air that was already coming in off of the Delaware Bay, off of the Atlantic Ocean and starting to push in. Um, that was really neat to see. I was leaving the station here at about midnight. It and one, you could now, it was one of the mornings. Um, actually, there were some problems on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. That, well, that leads into that. That was Friday night, what, what I was talking about there. And then by Saturday morning, the Bay Bridge was experiencing intense fog at that point. Yes, there was a car pileup, if yep. I'm mistaken. And that, what was that, around 8 a.m. or so? Around 8 a.m. or now, so. Now, I was looking at the visibility, the reported visibility on the bridge for around 8 a.m. or so, and the visibility was only about a quarter of a mile of fog, and I'm, I'm, I was reading a post on X saying, where, what were people saying about the conditions on the bridge? And I'm reading reports on X.com of people barely being able to see a car in front of them because of the, the dense fog. Yeah, it makes sense, too. And also, too, with the bridge that does increase in height as you go over that bridge, and when you get to the center, um, you know, you're, you're up I personally have not been high. on the bridge. You haven't? Okay, so have it's, it's basically like going on a roller coaster in a way. You <laughs> kind of just tick, 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 tick up to a crest. And so if you've got really thick, like, fog, and you go up a little higher into that fog where it's really, really thick, you can have a visibility change from the surface when you're really entering the bridge. And you go up, and then when you come back down on the other I've side, it's a little view, better. I've seen street view photos, but I personally have not been on it. So I kind of semi-know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's a fun bridge when the weather's nice because you have a view. That you have a it's it's a wonderful view. It's it's a really cool drive. It's the problem is when we have these fog situations. Yeah. Another problem is when it's windy, and you get to the top of that bridge, and what you would be getting surface winds are increased that much more because you're higher in the sky. You know where the winds tend to be a little higher. So. Yeah. You, you have situations where I know when we were having 50, 60 mile per hour wind gusts here at the surface, one of the sensors on the bridge, I think, clocked an 80 mile per hour wind gust. So that's why you oh, see yeah, the yeah. bridge shut down a lot. Um, right. Obviously, the lack of friction the just last went over the bridge. The last windstorm it shut down for a bit. Yep. Yeah. And that, so there are issues with the bridge itself and the height of the bridge um, that make it difficult during bad weather situations. Yeah. But like I said, when the weather's good, it's a great drive. Yeah. I suggest it to everybody. But, but you know, that whole situation, you know, with, with, the terrible, uh, with the terrible situation that happened is kind of a surefire reminder that you, you don't want to take fog lightly. You no. Know, so you don't want to take dense fog lightly and make sure, you, don't, you know, the general rules, you want to keep the, the, the car beams on low and just keep your distance. And, you know. That's why we see fog delays, schools in rural areas. We have that around here all the time, fog delays in the morning. People don't quite understand, you know, what the big deal is. And a lot of it has to do with some of these bus stops are along the sides of these, you know, 50 mile per hour plus driven highways. And you've got the cornfields and things like that. You have the lack of lights. It, it's just there's just a combination of a lot of factors that make morning driving in the fog, especially in rural areas, yeah. deadly. Yeah. But, you know, 
the abundance of moisture we have at the high dew points, when you got the cooler air filtering, that's kind of, um, that opens the gateway for, you know, a lot of condensation. It does. Condensation. Yeah. So, you know, dense fog to set up afterwards, you know, you know, the gateway was open for that. So that, that was concerned for that. Unfortunately, you know, what came to fruition was dense fog. Um, yep. And what happened on the bridge was a, unfortunately a, uh, a circumstance that resulted from that. So, uh, in a far different scenario than you know two years ago when oh, you know, oh we were <laughs> prepping for the big the big blizzard. I mean, it's hard to even fathom yeah. that there we're still at that time of the year just from what we went through. But uh, coming off of the two-year anniversary here a few days ago of what we call the blizzard of yeah. 2022, it was a yeah yeah it, it was, was a blizzard, a blizzard conditions, blizzard. especially for areas closer to the coast that. Um, you know, had some of the higher wind gusts. Yeah. They had the highest snow totals. Okay. It was a... Uh, a fresh injection of pure Arctic air interacting with the storm. You know, it, it was the perfect setup for... Well, it, was a, it was a very yeah. unique setup in the fact that it was kind of reverse from what we always talk about with Baltimore, D.C., yeah. typically getting the big snow numbers. And where Southern you had the coast. kind of missing out. Right. Uh, you had well, the lower numbers tapering yeah. off closer and closer to the water. But in this case, on Delmarva, the highest snow totals were along the beaches. They were. And you would go west across the peninsula, and it was less and less. And so, the, yeah. I mean, uh, the track w was good um, for, for eastern locations to, to get the snow. It, it, it was, um, you know, the, the center of low pressure was, you know, well off the coast and uh, we, we have plenty, plenty of cold air to not deal with any mixing. Uh, true Arctic air because the following morning we, we got to uh, well into the single digits. That, that was the backside of that system that brought... Salisbury got to five degrees. The Arctic uh, air. Georgetown too. was like eight. Ocean City was like 10 degrees the following morning. So uh, just a fresh injection of Arctic air or wind gust. Uh, exceeding 60 miles per hour and um, that that dries out the snow on the top incredibly yeah. so it just it just aids in the blowing and the drifting yeah. and some of the issues that we usually don't talk about here in Delmarva yeah. but yeah. something you would get in the Midwest after a big snow or you don't even have to have a big snow just a few inches yeah. of snow but the Arctic air really drying out the snow it makes it just like it's almost like sand essentially or dust yeah. and I, it moves around very easily in the wind I remember that storm when I was going to school in Connecticut because that storm also battered uh, the southeastern New England particularly really hard with over 20 inches of snow in some spots. And, you know, including in Danbury, Connecticut, where I went to school, uh, we got about like like five to eight inches of snow, I think. But boy, oh boy, was it cold. Uh, the <laughs> and cold snow air is and a very wind. fine powder. Mm -hmm. So like uh, it was blown all over the place, reduced visibility. Uh, yeah, it was fun. And you have constant issues yeah. a couple days after the snow of... of, of especially the back and side roads and the open roads, yeah. taking on that blowing and drifting. So actually hit here harder than where I went to school in, in Danbury. Which is another yeah. odd thing, because usually uh, it would be yeah, the yeah. reverse, you know? Yeah, so... But it, you remember that storm... It wasn't completely anomalous for this area, but at the same time... For, it, for it's anomalous uh, in the idea of, you know, we don't expect one of those every yeah. winter. We expect no, yeah. one of those maybe every 10 years or so. <laughs> exactly. And I believe the last storm like that would have been in February of 2010 well, for a, Delmarva area. A, um, and it's all part. relative. I think some, we, we were having a conversation on Facebook. Some people consider that to be a massive storm. You know, if, if you were in your 20s, that's the biggest storm that you, you remember other than the one in 2010. And if you're, you know, older, 
you remember some big ones from the 90s, the 80s, and the 70s, but again, it's usually one every 10 years or so that we have a foot of snow in some spots and blizzard conditions and Arctic air and all these things that make for a crippling snow. So, um, yeah, we've had bigger ones in Delmarva, but not a lot. <laughs> yeah. We've had a few bigger ones. It was, it was a massive snow. And I still uh, have some pictures I've seen and videos that I'm still thinking of right now. Of, uh, they were using like mini, um, you know, those uh, skid loaders and they were putting um, mini snow plows on them and they were going up and down the boardwalk in Ocean City trying to get the snow out of there just so they can make a pathway for people. And you know, it just shows that, you know, what happened two years ago, and then you get to scenes like Friday, you know, winter can prove to be it extremely, can, extremely volatile. It can. And it can. speaking of volatility, so we had that last week. We had a weekend storm of a decent amount of rain, and we're back to chilly air, but kind of in a holding pattern at this point. Not really much to track. In terms of storm track and even temperatures, temperatures aren't going to be too remarkably off the grid in terms of averages, uh, perhaps lower 50s, but you're only talking about like a few degrees above average. Our average high now is actually steadily increasing. Climatologically, we are leaving the coldest portion of the season. Climatologically, because now, while our average high was like 45 about like a few days ago, a week ago, now our average high today has increased to 46 degrees. So steadily, climatologically We're speaking, going in the other direction. We're going in the, the other direction. Arrow. Now, February, climatologically, can also prove to be very interesting in terms of winter storms. But um, now in terms of storm track right now, in terms of temperatures, not getting too cold or too warm for this time of year. So yeah, kind of in a relaxation period relaxation. in terms of temperatures and storm like tracks. Um, the, only other, the only thing that's interesting is at the beginning of next week, there's what I would call perhaps a thread the needle situation a uh, high pressure developing uh, to our north and storm trying to develop to our south with not true cold air to work with and a lot of the guidance is showing that that high may be suppressing a storm to our south sometime in the monday to tuesday time frame so that's really the only thing i'm noticing worth tracking but either way it's not looking like a big deal right now but of course it's something we'll be keeping an eye on especially since there's not too much interesting to be tracking that's right and i'm going to leave on this note here as we wrap up the podcast but looking ahead the north atlantic oscillation the nao index which sometimes can be a, a really good marker on you know we're going to set up for some true arctic air the Those, nao basically is, determines what kind of blocking high pressure we have towards yep. around the greenland area and you know when it when goes you get, negative when, when you yeah when you get a high pressure when it's negative you know up towards that region that allows for cold air to filter in and so there's um, so a that's lot like of, one of the one of the oscillations that we tend to look at in terms of winter storm potential around here. And that trend is looking favorable for people who want snow and cold air yeah. going into February. So just ending on that note. Winter's um, not over. It's That's not over yet, line. folks. We've got right. a lot, a lot of time to go through. And if we had a little taste in January, February is usually the month where we do it all over again at least yeah. once. So Even March can prove to be. March can be, too. We are, we are not over. That's we are not true. done, snow lovers. Just Hold out. Hold out. Okay? We still have chances. We That's have, right. We have chances. That's right. So I'm sure next week we'll have a little more insight on uh, what to expect here for the first half of February. But uh, for now, we're going to leave it at that and uh, get back to you guys here in a week. Thanks again for downloading and streaming this edition of WeatherWise, the meteorologist here at 47 ABC WMDT. We'll talk to you again next Wednesday.